summarized very well, and thank you for uh, the summary. Uh, now, after about five, six weeks, uh, we start getting a, a kind of shape of what each gospel uh, looks like. Important thing is uh, to have this picture of Jesus. Uh, what does he look like in each gospel? Uh, and then Simon uh, briefly mentioned, but uh, we have delved into the kind of Jesus uh, was portrayed by each writer. That is, each writer had a different experience of meeting Jesus, or knowing Jesus, or interpreting Jesus. So they, uh, they, they, they experience this, this aspect of Jesus, and also that show uh, the community that they were part of, uh, what kind of things that, that they went through. So don't just tell me that, or ju just don't follow the world that, oh, scripture is archaic, boring and outdated, instead of doing that as Simon said, uh, film critic. Like, you need to reinterpret this text uh, in your own creative way. And as you start reading it in that way, your imagination comes alive. It expands. The problem of sin is that our imagination becomes shrink, uh, shrunk. It becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. You cannot even imagine now. There's no more imagination that's left. But as you go through a spiritual journey, your imagination expands. And the way you see the world changes. The way, the way you see yourself and your life changes. And the way you see God and Jesus changes. So, I mean, there's a limitless uh, uh, possibility to be able to see Jesus uh, in uh, that way. And then uh, these, these gospel writers showed us uh, what those uh, uh, possibilities uh, are. So I hope that uh, you, uh, in your spiritual journey, you meet Jesus in, a, in your own authentic way. I think that's very important. Meeting Jesus in your own authentic way. Instead of just copying or adopting what somebody else told me, does that really give you salvation? Maybe your life. Uh, in the end, does that really give you conviction for this Jesus uh, that you believe in? I mean, ultimately, that, that's the only thing that is left. Uh, so I hope that you experience that, that kind of uh, uh, understanding uh, in your Oh yeah, let her come in. Yeah. Yeah. Come in, come in, yeah. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you forget? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, phone, that's very important. <laughs> 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 yeah. So uh, I hope that uh, uh, this is I think about uh, this a lot that uh, being creative. Uh, being imaginative, uh, life is more than just flat logic. Life is much, much bigger than that. And I hope that all of you experience, as, as I age, uh, uh, that's what I experience in my life. 
how, how I have lost all that all my life for 65 years that I haven't done that. And so I start picking up again uh, that all that uh, creative side, imaginative side uh, of life. Uh, so uh, even the scripture, I try to read it uh, in a different way. So if you have read uh, gospel uh, while learning uh, on Friday, then you will see some picture. But if you haven't read it or half read it, then probably you didn't really 100% uh, get things out of it. it. It is not what I teach. Uh, it is what you experience. If you have read it, then you would have experienced it. Uh, if you read it several, uh, even two, three times at once, then you would have already experienced, wow, this is so different. But this is so true. I see all of that. In the reading, I was wondering why these things are there and why these things kept coming up. And then I realized it is because of that. So all this understanding uh, comes and then it's experience. It's not really head, head knowledge, it's experience that you get. So it's too bad that if you haven't followed uh, that. Uh, I sense that uh, on Tuesday uh, with the older generation, much less educated than you are, but they read a few times before they came. So just words go so, so. Right? You know what I mean? Uh, you just, you just, oh, they soak it so well. And they see, ah, ah, continuously. Uh, every uh, the, uh, book that we, uh, we study, they uh, find something uh, very charming. Also, they have read the scripture all their life. So, uh, for many, many years of experience of uh, knowing the scripture, reading the scripture, uh, and then uh, one of them came to me. Now I see clearly all these gospels, and I'm so happy uh, that uh, that's what they're saying. So I hope that uh, this study of John is very different. I mean, each gospel was very different too. Even the synoptic gospels supposed to be similar, same uh, kind of idea. But very was very different. But when it comes to John, oh, radically different. Why? Because ninety percent of John is only in John, unique in John. When I said before, Mark was written first, and Matthew used ninety percent of Mark to write his gospel. He used ninety percent of Mark, and yet. He said very different thing from Mark. That's amazing. I mean, same material, 90% of material, but he came up with a totally different picture of who Jesus was. Uh, and uh, Luke used only 50% of Mark. Uh, and John, 90% of his uh, stories and sayings is only in John. Uh, so it's a very different. But the structure is all the same. Jesus came. He called the disciples. 
Or he did ministry, exorcising demons and healing people, teaching them uh, with the profound truth and all that, but pe people rejected him and he was rejected and hated and he, uh, he died on the cross. About the uh, third day he rose again from the dead. This structure is the same. Even in John, this structure is the same. But the focus, focus is very different. What they want to portray was very different. For example, a uh, lot of stories that you know, uh, you may wonder, but some of them uh, you know is only in John. For example, turning water into wine, that's only in John. You don't see it in other Gospels. Nicodemus' story, only in John. Samaritan woman, only in John. Raising Lazarus, dead Lazarus, washing disciples' feet. In other Gospels, there, Jesus doesn't wash uh, disciples' uh, feet. Only in John, uh, Jesus uh, washes disciples' feet. And Jesus' last prayer, we call it Yuan Gido. Yuan Gido meaning the, uh, you know, the, 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 the deathbed uh, kind of prayer. So last prayer in John 17, that's only in John. Thomas doubting uh, about Jesus, about resurrection, that's only in John. Uh, do you love me? Peter's story. Do you love me? Uh, three times he asked, that's only in John. You don't see that in other uh, Gospels. Also fa famous passages that you are very familiar with are only in uh, John. And you know, someday this will happen. That's uh, technology, right? Yeah, okay. So, uh, for example, for God so loved the world, whenever you go to a uh, baseball stadium and you see this, uh, John 3.16, that's only in John. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, set you free. That's beautiful, but it's only in John. I'm the way and the truth and the life. That's only in John. So all this, I mean, there's many, many more passages and many, many more stories uh, only in John, but uh, these are beautiful and profound uh, statements. Uh, Clement, uh, you know, the, 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 when you look at church history, there, there were disciples and early Christians. And uh, these disciples meaning more than 12 disciples. Like 120 people, as I said, uh, in Luke, 120 people gathered together and prayed. So they were uh, disciples, uh, men and women, uh, disciples, uh, in addition to apostles. Uh, so they were. But as generation goes uh, by, for example, 90, 100, 110, people start dying. So all the uh, first generation or disciples start dying, and the next group, that appears, uh, we call it church fathers. And then these are the uh, church leaders who took over uh, uh, the, what uh, early disciples did. For example, Clement, uh, he was an early church uh, patriarch. Uh, he said, John is spiritual gospel. And then you realize that uh, when you read John, it's very spiritual. So you cannot just take uh, John literally. If you read John literally, you are reading it wrong. 
it's a very spiritual, it's almost like coded. It is a lot of coded words. So each word uh, means more than what it says. Uh, we'll see that next week about calm and uh, see, and uh, we'll see that next week, not today. But it's a very coded word. So when you read uh, John, it's almost like you have to uh, the, 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 the solve the code, code uh, to understand it. It's very spiritual. So there is a, there's a literal meaning, and there's also higher meaning uh, than that. So uh, it's a, so spiritual that Hindu people, they love the Gospel John. And some of our Hindu, Hindu people, they memorize uh, Gospel John because it is so spiritual. Uh, so uh, John is very uh, spiritual. And uh, it was written by uh, the ladies around 95 AD. So after Jesus died, about 60 years, 60, 65 years uh, uh, passed by. Uh, Iranian's uh, Bishop of Leon, uh, France, uh, he uh, lived around 130 AD. Uh, he said uh, that this gospel is written by the Apostle John. I mean, we don't know because uh, uh, each book doesn't, uh, never mentions about the author. But uh, this early church father, uh, Irenaeus, uh, he said that uh, this uh, gospel is written by uh, gospel, uh, the Apostle John. If it is written in 95, it has a historical uh, implication for that. Uh, 70 is very uh, important year, right? And then Gospel Mark was written just before 70, just before Jerusalem collapsed. Uh, destroyed. So uh, it was, uh, uh, but Gospel John was written 95, so that was almost like a 30 years passed by uh, since Gospel Mark was written. Then Jerusalem temple was already destroyed. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, uh, the, the, the system is dis, uh, destroyed already. But also another important uh, year that you have to remember is that not only 70, 70 a lot of people were killed, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people died, uh, massacred. You know? And then, so Jewish religion or even uh, national identity was at risk, uh, very uh, unstable. And then uh, another uh, important year is 85. Uh, AD 85, finally, uh, Jews kicked out uh, the Christians from their synagogue. And until then, you have to understand, there was no Christian. They were all Jews. Uh, they were believers of Messiah. So that's why I said uh, in Matthew, important thing is, we are the true Israelite. Uh, that, that's what uh, they were saying. So that's why it begins with Abraham. We are the true uh, Israelites and fulfillment of uh, promise and all that. But 85, there is a, a prayer, benediction against heretics. And these heretics, uh, this is uh, uh, Christians, uh, this, uh, the, 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 the cult. They call them cult. So they were saying, you are not anymore Jews. That's what they were saying. Uh, 
uh, they kicked out. So they included they included <laughs> they included this uh, in the part of their uh, liturgy. Uh, so uh, in synagogue, uh, they uh, and then they persecuted Christians uh, uh, and then they kicked out. And then this is a really huge thing. Being a Jew is not only uh, a uh, the, the, the national identity, but it's about their uh, existence. They were all Jews. They thought that they were faithful Jews uh, until then. And all of a sudden, they are kicked out from their religion, from their uh, nation. They were wondering, who are we? Who are we? Now, we are not... I mean, so the, this is a, it was a very difficult time for Christians. And then they were, as I said uh, last week, very small group. And they were kicked out. And all of a sudden, they were uprooted. Their identity was uprooted. Everything uh, was uprooted. So when that happened in 85, so when John wrote it, that was very much the reality that they were facing. So when you read uh, John, you see this kind of sentiment quite a bit. In other Gospels, you don't see much. But in John, being kicked out. Uh, uh, excommunication. Uh, excommunication. That idea uh, comes out quite strongly. For example, uh, chapter 9, uh, I preached on it last Sunday. Uh, let me read it for you. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. The putting out of the synagogue is excommunication. They were excommunicating anybody who believed uh, in Jesus. And the, uh, man, uh, the man who was born blind, he got sight, but ultimately, in the end, he was kicked out from the synagogue. And this shows the experience that they had. So in John, you see this idea of excommunication. So when you look at uh, chapter 16, it says, they will put you out of the synagogues. I mean, that is very uh, prevalent in John's Gospel. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that uh, by doing so, they are offering worship to God. So by putting them, uh, by killing them, they think that they are doing service to God. Exactly, that's what St. Paul did before he was converted. He thought, uh, he imprisoned Christians and killed them all, and then uh, he thought that he was really uh, doing uh, all these things for God. And then John is uh, mentioning that. So then, this kind of situation, you have to understand this uh, kind of setting then in John, the strong sentiment is we do not belong to this world. That is very strong. Uh, when you re uh, read John, probably you felt that. We do not belong to this world. I mean, Jewish life 
For them, that was their world. I don't know what is your world, but for them, Jewish life was their world. But they were kicked out. So uh, the very strong uh, sentiment is that we, we do not belong to this world. When you look at Jesus' last prayer before he died, John 17, you can see that very clearly. Let me read it for you. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So John is trying to tell them that you do not belong to this world just because you are kicked out from that world. Don't be so sad. Don't be discouraged because you do not belong to this world. That's uh, what John is saying. When, you, uh, when I continue, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So that, that uh, uh, sentiment is very strong. Jesus does not belong to this world. And we followers of Jesus do not belong to this world. So that, that uh, sense, uh, so uh, that sense is very uh, strong. As the world abandoned Jesus, the world naturally will abandon you. Uh, so don't be so discouraged. Let me read uh, another one. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. You belong to the world. The world would love you as its own if you belong to the world. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Very strong sentiment. Do you, do you see that? Uh, when you read it, uh, you can see that very uh, well. The world is not hospitable to them. Uh, the world is not hospitable uh, to them. So, now, then, those who follow Jesus, they could not say anymore that we are the true Israelite. We are the true Jews. Uh, they, they could not, they need, need more than that. They need new independent identity for their existence. Until then, they were Jews, but Jews rejected them. So, I mean, before I uh, go to that uh, uh, new identity, when you read Gospel John, the word Jews is very uh, often used. In other Gospels, only a few times, Synoptic Gospels, maybe six, seven at most, only a few times it's used, and mainly it is used as a uh, racial identity, or oh, these are Jews, uh, that kind of very neutral concept. Uh, that's how the uh, word Jews are used. But when it comes to John, 
he used, uh, uses uh, the word Jews 70 times. Judaeus, Eudaeus, that 70 times. And mostly, it is not neutral term. It is very negative uh, connotation it has. So these Jews are not uh, these Jews are not uh, racial identity. It, it, it means establishment. People who control. People who have power. He, people who control the system. These are Jews. So it, to, this kind of passage, this kind of book, was used for anti-Semitism uh, in the future. That's very bad. That's not what John, John meant. It's not uh, supposed to be used for anti-Semitism. It's not really racial identity. Uh, when he uh, says Jews, he, he doesn't talk about racial identity. He talks about that establishment, that uh, powerful group that control uh, the, uh, the whole system. And Jesus was very critical of them. Let me read it for you. You are from your father, the devil. This is the Jews. He's talk, Jesus is talking. You are from your father, the devil. And you choose to do uh, your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in it. When he dies, when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Very strong. I mean, uh, when you read uh, uh, Matthew, he talks about seven woes, and then the uh, Pharisees, uh, he uh, criticized, but he's much stronger. You're from the devil. And then you're a liar, and you're a murderer. That's how uh, strongly, because uh, they were kicked out from the Jews, and then they had a lot of this uh, uh, sentiment. Uh, kind of anti-Jews uh, sentiment. Uh, so this Gospel of John has a very strong on that, but also another strong message is uh, unity. Because they were persecuted, they went through a lot of hard times, as it is, they were very small, and within it, there could be uh, the fraction, uh, fight, struggles, all kinds of things could happen because they received all kinds of persecution. So Jesus was telling them to be united. For example, uh, probably most of you, in the 60s, uh, 70, in the 70s, uh, Toronto churches, Korean churches in Toronto, they went through a tremendous fight. Almost every church was fighting with each other. Little things become huge problem. They hate each other. Uh, I mean, uh, some second generation, they were scared of their parents uh, on the phone, 
because on the phone they were fighting and then they, you know, uh, saying negative things about people. Why? Because their immigrant life was so harsh, so difficult. And they brought all this garbage to the church. Church could take only so much. Beyond that, church could not take it. So divided and divided and divided. That's the uh, history of church in Toronto, Korean churches. But it's not just Korean churches. I went to Taiwanese church. They had so much fight. And then continuously they were divided too. So I went to uh, a few Taiwanese church to preach and then they were telling me very similar experience. And these Christian groups, small group, they receive all kinds of persecution. They were kicked out and they received all kinds of persecutions and some of them left uh, their community. Uh, they were having very difficult time. So Jesus telling them, uh, that the John was telling them that to be united. Let me read it, uh, Jesus' prayer for you. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Very strong message of unity, oneness, that uh, Jesus emphasizes. Uh, and John put that uh, unique uh, prayer of Jesus in his gospel, uh, telling them, that you have to be one. And also in John, love is different. In other Gospels, love is love your neighbor or love your enemy. That is a, uh, was a very strong. So love your neighbor and love your uh, even enemies. That was emphasized. But in John, love is uh, basically Love one another. Love each other. Love those who believe. Love uh, those who are around you. That is much stronger than love your neighbor or love your enemies. Let me read it for you. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So, the emphasis, I, I, I'm sure that Jesus also uh, meant, and uh, the Gospel of John meant, that we should love our neighbors and enemies too. But priority is here, you love one another. Uh, and then you become one. Uh, that that emphasis is very strongly uh, emphasized. So uh, at this time, uh, we need to think about uh, 
the relationship that we have with the world, what kind of relationship we should have. Uh, Richard Niebuhr, who was a brother of Rhino Niebuhr, and Rhino Niebuhr uh, was a favorite uh, theologian of uh, uh, Obama. Uh, President Obama, and his brother is a Richard, also a theologian, Richard uh, Niebuhr. Uh, he wrote a book, Christ and Culture, and basically he divided three uh, kind of categories. Christ against culture, Christ of culture, and Christ above culture. Yeah. For example, depending on the historical situation, our attitude uh, is different. Uh, for example, when Christians were persecuted under Nero, and then the, uh, every day the people got mar martyred and they killed and all that, then that uh, Christian uh, had this Christ against culture. Uh, and uh, for example, in John's Gospel, they were kicked out from the uh, Jews, and then, so it's a Christ against culture. But uh, 313, uh, by Milano uh, edict, uh, Christianity becomes uh, uh, the official religion of Rome, and then it becomes Christ of culture. And when the whole Europe uh, became uh, Christianized, and then becomes Christ of culture. But we also have to always be above culture. We should not be victims of culture. Uh, and I uh, told a uh, Tuesday group uh, that you know, our culture is very patriarchal uh, society. Are you going to worship that patriarchal culture or you're going to be above culture? Uh, we cannot just blindly follow the culture uh, around us. Just because uh, the, uh, the, uh, certain things are hip uh, in this cu culture, that doesn't mean that we Christians are uh, supposed to follow. Uh, but not necessarily always against either. We have to look at whether it is really based on uh, truth or not. And for example, uh, to Paul, uh, there's neither male nor female in, in Christ. That was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. There's no slave and master. There's 2,000 years ago, you say. Just a few hundred years in Joseon uh, dynasty in Korea, the Sangnam and Yangban, the, the, the difference was so radically uh, clearly defined. But 2,000 years ago, uh, St. Paul said that. That's an amazing statement. It's, a, it's, a above, it's a statement that is above culture. So we Christians have to be always uh, above uh, culture. Uh, we are in the culture, but not of the culture. We are in the culture, but beyond the culture. So I want you to uh, uh, discuss together. I'll give you discussion questions. Uh, what are pros and cons of each attitude? Uh, what attitude is an appropriate attitude in the culture uh, we live? Uh, right now. So I wanted to uh, have some time to reflect on uh, uh, these things.
any reflection on the on this? <laughs> What should, what attitude should we have? We, we confess that there was a lot of confusion. <laughs> There's a lot of confusion in our culture today. Because we want to be loving, we want to be open, we want to be accepting. We don't want to appear to be um, judgmental and closed-minded. And yet... We want to stand up for what's right, and we want to be clear about what's right and wrong. And yet, it's clouded because some people, it's not about right and wrong, it's about power and money. So it's very confusing. That's what we give up. <laughs> okay. It is true, yeah, uh, very confusing. Uh, but it's not just us, even in Christian time, uh, early Christianity, there are a lot of confusing uh, uh, cultures, even gods, there's several gods, polytheism, and all. And then in the midst of that, Paul being able to speak that was very uh, difficult uh, in that culture. So even, it will be always confusing. You, there will be never time when everything is uh, black and white and clear. Yeah. And in the midst of it, we have to ask ourselves, what are our values? What are the most important values that uh, we want to keep uh, living our lives? That is something that uh, these gospel writers uh, taught us, what Jesus stood for. Uh, even in that culture, right? Yeah. Anybody else? Can I ask another question? Yeah. That was Burns' question. That was really good. Is we were uh, the slide before this? You know, the Christ against mm. world, Christ or yeah. against culture with culture. Yeah. In culture and above culture? Christ against culture, Christ of culture, Christ be, uh, above, above culture. culture. Yeah. So I think we understand mm -hmm. of culture, above and against. Mm -hmm. What's the difference there? Against and above? Against is, a, is, is, it is more like a, uh, when you are persecuted, uh, uh, that you have this kind of uh, anti-culture uh, attitude. For example, uh, when first immigrants came to Canada, they had a very strong against culture. So don't go out and don't get married to uh, non-Korean or you know don't associate with this, this culture because this culture is bad and then you will have a bad influence. And they stay in the cult, uh, church, and then this is uh, uh, so very protectionist kind of uh, attitude. Uh, that's uh, Christ against culture. Uh, Christ beyond culture is uh, you are not just product of culture. You have something that you uh, you have uh, in a unique way. 
So you are not just product of this culture. So you are in the uh, you are in this culture, but you are not of the culture. Uh, you are uh, you you live right like Saint Paul and all these people. They are Christ above culture. Even in that time, they were speaking uh, something. Uh, they are not necessarily against culture, but they uh, spoke something beyond that culture uh, were was familiar with. So in that way, it's a little bit different, yeah. Any other comment? I mean, share the knowledge and share the information is, uh, was important. Uh, that's how community gets uh, enriched. Uh, I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah. 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 I didn't ask this yeah. oh. <laughs> They don't have this question. This is full lecture from the beginning. It'd be really interesting for, for you to ask this question and for us to hear the answer. I, I see both. Uh, Christ against culture was quite strong uh, some decades ago. Uh -huh. But now, Christ of culture. Uh, seems to uh, uh, come out a little bit more, but Christ above culture is rare. I don't see that much. Uh, uh, probably to be able to go Christ above culture, you have to understand the culture very well and know go go beyond that. But they don't know the culture yet, so it's hard for them to go above culture. At most, they're either against culture, from against culture to of culture they moved. But going to above culture, that's a quite sophisticated understanding. Yeah. And, and the culture that they left behind in Korea doesn't exist anymore. Right? Or the, the culture that they have in their minds of when they were younger that's right, is yeah. very different. Yeah. Right? So that there's no there's no mooring, there's no anchoring there anymore. That's right, yeah. yeah. But still, because of YouTube, uh, yeah. oh, they go back there. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird way. Yes. So, they're so different. Yeah. right? Because depending on which YouTube channel you watch, <laughs> their opinions are shaped and they form very strangely. So it's not really their opinion. They are blindly shaped in some ways. So they adopt, they understand culture in Korea right now, but it's a very different, a weird way. So it's not really accurate presentation of the culture that down there. Yeah, yeah. So very, very dangerous, very dangerous. Yeah, the YouTube is very dangerous. Yeah, especially for those uh, who are very uh, not aware of. All the YouTube can be very dangerous. For those who know very well, then you can discern uh, what they are saying. But sometimes you don't even discern. Yeah, you just listen, and then you know next one is same thing, <laughs> same opinion uh, comes up, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, I, I was just wondering, um, what would be an example of um, being above? 
culture. <laughs> what does it? I don't know what it would look like. Like what does it? If you're above culture, right now. I mean, basically, Bible example is very much Christ again about culture. Uh, they, they they were not just Jews, but uh, they were above. They they went beyond. Uh, for example, uh, that that that's what uh, Paul and Peter were fighting about. That uh, Peter, uh, Paul, and Peter, they were eating with Gentiles. And no problem until then. And all of a sudden, people from uh, Jerusalem came down, and Peter was very uncomfortable. He stood up and left. And then uh, Paul didn't really like that. So <coughs> Peter wanted to be sensitive to the Jewish culture. So at that moment, Peter became uh, the, the Christ of culture. But Paul was Christ above culture. So it's a Jewish, uh, because of all that uh, pressure, are you, uh, you know, uh, discrediting your uh, brothers and sisters of Gentile world? So he's, uh, he was uh, saying that. So that is an uh, example. And also preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and all that, that's uh, Christ above a culture. Everything that they do is very much Christ above culture, not necessarily against culture. Some of these are against, for example, uh, criticizing Jews here is a very much Christ against culture. Yeah. I was thinking like, like currently, like in this current situation, in this current day, what would be an example of being above? Oh, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, Nelson Mandela uh, in the apartheid uh, culture, that he went above culture. So he fought, and then uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in the very much uh, the uh, racist uh, culture, he st stood above the culture. So there are a lot of people who are above culture, not necessarily against. Later, Nesmandar uh, tried to reconcile white and uh, uh, black quite a bit. So it's not always against culture, but they are above culture. So when we were talking, um, we were kind of confused with the first one, so we didn't get very far with that one. But the second one, I was actually saying, oh, you know, we should try to be, because it, it it's asking what is the appropriate attitude in the culture we live, which, which, what attitude, right? So I was thinking, oh, we should always be Christ above culture. But then John said, no, we should, we should have all three. That's what I
sometimes uh, we are uh, uh, we can be strangers yeah. to this culture. We should not be always too comfortable with the culture that we live. Sometimes we need to take off. We need to be strangers to this culture, and that is Christ against culture uh, very much. Uh, you know, uh, that is needed uh, sometimes. Uh, uh, desert father and mother. They left uh, the uh, culture and then went to the desert to pray. So it's, uh, that's a little bit of Christ against culture. So Christ against culture is not necessarily bad, uh, depending on the what uh, situation you are in. Uh, when it's a dictator uh, controlling the whole uh, society, you have to be Christ against culture. Uh, there, you cannot be uh, Christ of the of culture or even above culture. You have to. Uh, Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I was just wondering if there was a like a hierarchy. So, I'm um, similar to what Lily and John were saying. Like, you know, like at, at first when we were discussing it, it seemed like Christ above culture was sort of like the the one that you you know should be attainable or that we should strive towards. Is that is that not true? Or or you know, are we saying? You know, different circumstances warrant different attitudes. Yeah. With respect to Christ. Yeah. Culture. I mean, yeah. Different circumstances, uh, different attitude. So uh, sometimes we have to be Christ against culture. Uh, for example, the culture of greed, uh, culture of prejudice, and all these uh, things are around. We have to be against the culture, but we cannot always stay at against. That's not really healthy attitude. We have to go above culture uh, in the end. So then what are you going to do? So the, the, that movement uh, has to be there, uh, in a way. So in, the, in, in your biblical example, were the Gentiles like the less desirable members of society? Or when, when they were dining with the Gentiles and the Jews came? Like oh, I mean, there's a Jewish law. Right. They, it started with all the Jews, right? right. And also Jewish religion. And there was no such thing as Christianity. It's a Jewish religion. Right. And even Christians, uh, they were Gentile Christians and then uh, the, the Jewish Christians. And they were separated right. in the beginning. There's, that's their law, that the chosen people don't eat with the Gentiles. Right. So yeah, it's not necessarily Gentiles are inferior. Okay. So they were just different. They were just non-Jews, right? That's right. Yeah. They are non-Jews, yeah. So one of the examples that I, I asked about was like, um, you know, all these like sort of gay rights movements and everything. And um, I was talking about a recent example in sports. So like in the <laughs> NHL, they have this like, um, they have this like cele celebration of, you know, gay pride and stuff. And so they're asking NHL teams and players to wear uh, rainbow colored jerseys during practice. And it's, you know, some players are saying, oh, well, I don't want to wear this colored jersey because of my Christian beliefs. And so are they, like, against culture? Or are, like, had they been like, oh, you know what? Um, I believe, like, I believe every person has a right to whatever, their sexual orientation. I'll support that. And even though I my Christian belief is I don't believe that, I'm going to wear the rainbow jersey. So in that latter example, is that them being above culture? Or by them saying, no, I don't want to wear the jersey because I'm Christian and I, that's my belief, that's against culture? Like, I, it, 
you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can uh, go into all yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, ethical uh, situations uh, here, but I, I mean, we have to ask ourselves about the uh, value. What is the value that you are uh, really uphold? Uh, which value is more, uh, uh, more uh, stronger for you? Which value that you have to ask uh, yourself? And those uh, football players uh, who kneel down and pray, and then uh, those who don't. Uh, uh, so uh, you, you have to ask yourself uh, which value. So that's where you, uh, uh, value uh, judgment comes in. So we have to ask. So, but not always is as, as simple and black and white. Sometimes very complex, very difficult to deal with. So uh, we have to be quite uh, uh, patient, uh, understanding, open-minded, and also learn more about the situation, all these things, so that uh, we don't uh, carelessly judge other people and then, uh, uh, things like that. I, I agree with you. And I, I think in those cases, if it was me, like in my judgment, even though I, I think they're different um, than me, like I'll still wear the jersey. Mm -hmm. And in your case of like the, Paul and Peter uh, dining with the Gentiles, mm -hmm. even when the Jews came and Peter left, That's right. but Paul, whoever was, stayed. Right. Yeah. He stayed with the people that were different and he That's wasn't right. afraid of being yeah. persecuted by the Jewish. Yeah. And so. That's exactly the, the tension that the early church had. For example, Peter was very, it's not just he was scared. He was very sensitive to Christians in Jerusalem. As it is, they were persecuted so much. And then Peter going out and eat with the Gentiles and all that, then they will be more, much more persecuted by other Jews too. So Peter was uh, considerate of that. So there's a Peter, there's a Paul, and then there's a difference of opinions, and then it's a complex issue. Very good question, very complex question. Very good. I mean, things like this, it's very important for us to think through. Uh, through uh, but if you don't know the value, if you don't have the value, how can you make any uh, judgment call? So. It, seems, it seems important for us to, um, I guess, assess where, what our values are based on. That's right. Is it based on what we were taught? Is it based on our own critical thinking of a critical review of, let's say, scripture or, or whatever source? Yeah. Uh, what is it based on? That's right, yeah. I mean, there's a uh, struggle that I have uh, in modern uh, people's lives. What are the values that they believe in? Or are there values? Or just making money and working hard and comfortable and convenient, is that everything? Are there values that we uphold so uh, powerfully? So that ownership of the value. That, I mean, that, that, that's, I think, the, the, the victimization of immigrant life. Because uh, the, the first generation works so hard, so much, second generation comes, we lost all the values, and we just go for comfort, luxury, abundance, instead of holding on uh, to the value. And then that's the losing, that's a victimization of this immigrant society. Uh, we think that oh, we are uh, smart and then, uh, we are comfortable and all that, but 
we have to realize that we are victimized. Amen. Not having ownership of value, that is losing your identity in a way. And you've lost the identity for the sake of money, mammon. That's sad in many ways. So we need to rediscover our values, who we are, what we value, what is important to me, what is my identity. Things like that we have to uh, ask ourselves to continuously. And then based on that value, make, uh, we make decisions. Now, uh, so if we keep uh, reflecting on Gospel John, in the Gospel of Luke, it was a very a similar mess, message as John too, because in Gospel of Luke, uh, there's a message of reversal, right? Uh, the establishments will not give us, uh, uh, will not be able to give us uh, salvation. So there's a poor, a weak, a vulnerable, and all of these uh, people, uh, I mean, marriage magnifica, when you read it, uh, that, uh, that the rich will be sent away empty, and the poor will, will be, uh, you know, uplifted, and then uh, all that stuff. The, the very strong message of reversal uh, in the society. Uh, but when it comes to John, there is not strong message of reversal, but there is a strong message of born again. It's not a message of reversal, but it is a message of born again. Nicodemus, uh, this born again is very important to John because now they have, have they're being kicked out from the Jewish community. They need to have new identity and what John is saying is that you're born again, you're new creation. That image is very strong. You're new creation. So oh, uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. That doesn't mean that he came at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. That's not what it means. He came at night, that means he came from dark. Uh, it's a very strong uh, uh, symbolic message. And when Judas betrayed uh, 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 Jesus, uh, he, uh, he went out and became night. That means he entered into dark, darkness after betraying uh, Jesus. And Nicodemus uh, came, and in John's Jesus is an omniscient Jesus. Uh, he knows everything. Nicodemus uh, uh, came and he didn't even tell Jesus why he came, but Jesus already knew why he came. And he said, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus. Uh, uh, and also in John, the people, people in the darkness continuously misunderstand what Jesus said. So when Jesus uh, told uh, Nicodemus, you have to be born again, and Nicodemus said, do I have to go back to my mother's womb and then be born again? <laughs> and then the, the, to the Samaritan woman, I can give you the living water. And then the, the woman said, you don't even have the, the, you know, the, the thing to uh, the, take the water out, and then how can you give the... They continuously misunderstand. It goes like this. Jesus talks at the spiritual level, they understand at the literal level. 
These are simply don't understand. And so Nicodemus, uh, to Nicodemus, uh, this is what uh, Jesus said. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And then Nicodemus misunderstood. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus explained more in detail. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of this flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you have to be, you must be born from above. So, born again is born from above. Uh, maybe Christ of the above culture kind of idea. Uh, born from above. New creation. That was very important to John. And the same Paul had the same idea. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. So new creation. In Christ, we are new creation. So when you uh, read uh, John, so for, for example, Matthew, he wanted to emphasize that we are true Israelites. So he started with, with Abraham, because Abraham is the beginning of Israel. And all this uh, uh, the genealogy I mentioned. And you, uh, to you, uh, what is important? Uh, Jesus is a savior of humanity. So Luke goes not only uh, up to Abraham, but he goes further to Adam, the beginning of humanity. So his genealogy goes all the way to Adam uh, because uh, Jesus is savior of all the, uh, humanity. When it comes to uh, John, it goes beyond Adam to the beginning of the universe. That's why uh, it starts with, in the beginning was the word. That in the beginning is same as uh, Genesis in the beginning. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So a very strong message of new creation uh, that uh, you will be able to see. Let me read it for you. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being uh, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. So, and in Genesis, when you look at it, in the beginning, when God created the heaven and earth, and then he talk, uh, talks about, let there be light, and light is the first one that uh, created. And John also uh, says, says that, uh, talks about light, Light and life. But John here proposes a problem of the world. For example, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Overcoming meaning did not understand it, did not see it. Because that is a problem. The light came, but darkness did not see it. So in John, the scene is very important uh, that's why John is, uh, the nickname is Eagle. I'm going to explain uh, more uh, next week. So next week we are going to uh, see further uh, on that. Seeing, coming, and then uh, how it was Jesus uh, 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 viewed 
uh, in John and all that. So, so a very strong message of uh, new creation that you see. Okay. Anything else? Uh, you have questions so far? You get just a little bit of picture of John. Next week is much more theological. Today was a little bit more uh, uh, social situation too, but next week is more theological uh, message of uh, John. John has a question. Yeah? Yeah. John, there's no prayer on Gethsemane where he's praying right. to take the cup away from him, yep. but there's that passionate prayer to look after the disciples. That's right. Not necessarily just the 12, but all the other disciples. That's right. And that happened before his crucifixion. That's right. Do you think that it was the same time that he prayed both the take this cup away from you prayer and this prayer before? Or when you combine that <laughs> together, yeah. Do we think that it's one at the same time that he did this, or do you think it's two separate times? Well, we don't know. I mean, John uh, did not read it. There's no Gethsemane yeah. in John. Uh, in John's Jesus is very confident. Yeah. Death did not come to G uh, Jesus. He chose death. Yeah. So even at the end, there's no sadness and no struggle, no pain, agony. It just goes. My hour has come. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. That kind of <laughs> attitude. Yeah. So we'll see that. So John's Jesus is very strong in the end. Yeah. So we're gonna examine that. But but probably it's the same prayer, uh, Gethsemane prayer, and then Jesus last prayer. So it's uh, probably same time. And then in. Uh, I forgot the, uh, the name, but uh, around uh, 6th century, uh, one person uh, combined all four Gospels and made one book. <laughs> they reconciled all the Gospels in one book. They made one book, but it was never popular. <laughs> Just leave it as it is. As <laughs> four Gospels, rather than combining them all. Because they tried to, he tried to understand uh, what is what. Like uh, you are asking, is the same Gethsemane prayer, is Jesus prayer? And then it's also from the perspective when I, when I read the Gospels, uh, I find Jesus very unrelatable, right? But there are moments when he's very relatable, mm. and there's moments like this when he's showing his humanity. Yeah. Uh, like he's fervently praying for the people that he loves for. That's something that we can relate to. Mm. He weeps in, in John. He doesn't yeah. weep in the other Gospels. Right? That's right. Yeah. That's very relatable. Yeah. Right. So, and the time that he asks for his cup to be taken away, like that's anguish. Yeah. That's torture. Yeah. Right. That's that's relatable. That's right. right. So, I I find it um, interesting to try to connect those relatable moments mm. uh, because otherwise, for me, mm. I find it difficult to relate to Jesus. That's right. Yeah. To be quite honest. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the the very first question that you asked in this whole series, what is what does Jesus mean to me? Mm. It's a very different question. From a, you know, is he my Lord and Savior versus, you know, is he a role model? Like, there's a whole spectrum of mm. ways that we can answer this. Right? Yeah. So I just find that like, this exercise of reading all the Gospels all, all together all at once is very informative. Mm. But for me, I'm trying to look look for the moments where I can see the humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even, even in John.
John 2, there's no Gethsemane, but in chapter 12, uh, when my hour has come, and then he's talking about and then, uh, uh, my uh, soul is troubled. And there, there is an element. And also when Lazarus died, and then Jesus wept, uh, that too. So there are some moments of Jesus showing his emotion, uh, even in uh, John. Yeah, I mean, that's very good that you have to find a relatable uh, Jesus in a way. So Jesus becomes real uh, to you. Yeah. Any other question or comment? Yeah. Do you think the authors of the Gospels purposely kind of um, chose a different aspect of Jesus to the mm. like I mean, Some of them uh, are purposefully chosen. For example, Matthew uh, starts with the genealogy. And he, uh, as I said, uh, he divided it into four, 14. And 14 is the number of David. And he took out two kings uh, to fit the uh, 14 number. So he's a very intentional. And purposefully, he did that just to say that he's a son of uh, Abraham uh, and a son of David. So he was a very purposeful. But also, when you have certain belief and certain attitude or whatever, then it comes out unconsciously, too. So uh, he not necessarily uh, purposefully say things, but un uh, uh, unconsciously, uh, he says that. I'm going to talk about it a little bit next week, but uh, for example, visual person, they will all say, yeah, I see, I see. They use this visual language, I see. But auditory people, they're, I hear you, I hear you. Very different. Yeah, I feel you, some people. So, you know, yeah, so, so they're all different. So yeah, it's, a, it's not necessarily consciously purposeful, but unconsciously, they can be uh, purposeful too, in that way, the way, the way they write uh, all these things. Yeah. And then certain words they uh, prefer, for example, uh, Luke, very uh, much medical language he uses uh, more than any other, anybody else, because he's a doctor. Good. Any other question? Okay, good. Now I have one more left. Don't miss it. <laughs> That's a conclusion of gospel series next week. Uh, yeah. So let us pray together. I was just sorry, Simon. You're doing that. Am I?